I'm Kim Bailey, she's Juliana Osborne and this is Inside Exec. Let me first of all apologise if my voice wavers in and out a bit today. I'm suffering from Sydney allergy, uh, commonly known as hay fever around the rest of the country, <laughs> but I think I'm probably allergic to Sydney more than most people. So I do apologise if it's a little bit difficult to listen to. Today we want to talk or revisit in fact a topic that we have covered previously but we recognise that it has been very much a topic of conversation in organisations and businesses over this past 12 months. And that is about scaling company growth and in relation to that, scaling company culture. Now, I will also say that when we talk about company growth, we might also be talking about... If the company is growing or reducing. Yes. Well, what we did say was scaling company growth and scaling company size, and that they might be two different things. The growth might be different to the scaling the size of the organisation. So we want to look at that in terms of how we relatively scale the company culture. Just before we get into the details of that, Tom might just make the distinction about the growth and the scaling. Now, with the growth, traditionally you're talking about revenue growth and how the business is, is increased in dollar value. With the scale, is how to your business growing as in more demand on your goods and services and how to build it from scratch. So the ideal thing to do is when you are building your business that it is built in a way that it is scalable. So for example, if you're going to be manufacturing packaged goods and you're initially expecting so many packages per day to be manufactured or requested, then you've got to plan for much more than that so you're able to scale your business up quickly and not wait till this, you know, you're required to produce those big numbers and then find all the difficulty that goes with it. So it's really about growing in two ways, in the scaling sense and in the revenue sense and how that interacts with your culture. I think it's interesting too to look at what external influences might change the way that you scale or grow a company or a business and that it might be simply something that is about a change in regulations or a change in methods of work, an opportunity arises for you to have a joint venture with another organisation for a particular project particular outcome, not always scaling within the organisation or within your business, but it might be scaling in terms of project involvement and how do you, again, relate your company's culture, your company's ethics to that kind of involvement. And I think that's a very much harder thing to do to maintain your standard when you are interacting with another or many other organisations in terms of... A, a project outcome. In one of the previous sessions, uh, we were fortunate to have David Skillen talk extensively about culture, organisation culture. It is the heart of everything. It is about your values, your behaviours and how you want people to perceive you and to be true to yourself. So whatever those company values are that will form your culture is something that you can't keep changing every time you change the scale or growth or reduction of your business. It is 
obviously will change as if the workforce grows and it becomes bigger and around the world and that's when I again refer you back to to listen to that previous podcast and talk about how important it is to sustain that culture make sure it doesn't change and doing that the biggest biggest factor in doing that is one of Kim's favorite topics communication <coughs> So oh, which I was is, just going to say goals. I was being genuine. <laughs> um, communication. So all you have to do is keeping reminding people what are we here for, what do we stand for, and how to live those values regardless to the size and how much faster, uh, how, how much uh, rapidly your um, company grows. One of the best examples that I can think of in recent times has been Apple. Apple Inc, Apple Computers. Simon Sinek, who we have also uh, reviewed at some point, has a, a basic premise about what happens when people buy what you do, what you produce. And he, he's adamant that people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And he uses Apple as the example in that, that Apple is actually a, a computer building company. And well, they were when they first started and obviously they make a few other things now. But we don't buy their products because they build them. We buy them because of why they do it, because their why is about making something beautiful, making something functional, making something leading edge, making something long-lasting. So we buy the, those ephemeral things, and that comes back to how that organisation has set its values. And it certainly has gone through some scaling changes up and down over the years and they have maintained a market share and a very exclusive market share that is reflective of the fact that people buy why they do what they do. In scaling up you sometimes and quite often you don't just double or triple everything that you've got so you would use external suppliers or external people. Now, they would be either a franchise or they will be part of your process. So if you're manufacturing prepackaged goods, then you will be using outlets around the world. In using them, you also have to continually make sure that through those third parties, your values are still upheld, like quality, integrity, whatever your values that you assign to that people can see, feel and touch, no change in that regard. It's interesting that if we look back at the 90s, most of the 90s, quality management systems were a big, big innovation in a lot of uh, areas of business. And we don't hear as much talk about it these days, but it, I find that it, the quality management system per se is probably the best way for you to have a basis of a culture in an organisation that is about, that is reflective of the outcomes that you want for your customers as well as for the organisation itself. And that if you've got that basic understanding of a quality management system and what it can do for you and how it can be scaled in reflection of the, the way that the organisation is changing, then that is the, the best foundation you can have or being able to scale the values at, at the same time as the organisation is changing its structure or its size. There's quite a few examples of where companies started with a core 
group of people. They handpick the right people that are aligned with the culture they want to be and they want to grow and be known for. And they have an excellent team. And then the company starts growing. And from the leadership side, they hadn't paid too much attention. They're paying attention to growth and scaling, but not the culture. Sadly, there's examples of where your core people, the people that are integral for the success of the company, decide to leave. Now, why are they leaving? And when they ask why are they leaving, given that the company is the best it's ever been, it's growing, they have better opportunities in, in career-wise and more remuneration. And they said, well, it's not the company we joined. The values that we came for have been either ignored or patchy or watered down. And so, again, you might end up causing growth harm to your company by losing your best people. Interesting too, to think of it from the other side. So when the culture changes, evolves, grows with an influx of new people or an influx of new opportunities or customers or whatever it is, and that the growth of that, those core values and those, the, the culture of the organisation, because they're two different things. The core values and the culture of the organisation are different. And so if we talk about culture, if the culture grows and the culture becomes positive and all-encompassing and owning of what the, is being done, that may well provide a growth result in the size of the organisation because people start to value the organisation for what it does or why they do it, I should say. And they then want to be part, you know, the external people want to be part of that organisation, that other opportunities come that organisation's way because it is perceived as this kind of an organisation. And so the, the growth of the organisation might be driven by growth in the culture. Back to communication, then it's very, very important to keep communicating throughout any change, of course, and to, again, reconfirm and almost demand that the culture doesn't change, that if part of your culture is teamwork, supporting each other, helping each other grow, as well as producing high integrity goods with um, good pricing, etc., then you're doing that by communicating so people know what are they being measured against, not just getting the sales in, not just getting the, the dollars in, um, in revenue, but it's the way they do it. And the product is reflecting your company values. I think that I still struggle with being able to verbalise what company culture is and what core values are. And if you go right back to some of the early podcasts that we did, I, I, I struggled very definitely with core values <laughs> and still do. Still don't like to see it up on the wall. I think that... There's something in me that would like to think that organisations are able to communicate what their values are, what their core values are, and that in turn is reflected in the culture of the organisation without having to have it written up on the wall, without having to look at it every morning and salute the flag, so to speak. But I've yet to find anywhere that can do that successfully, and I think that it does come back to communication. It does come back to the core values being set in such a way that they can be communicated. I think that perhaps that the pitfall 
in setting core values is that we want them to be lofty. We want them to sound like they are inspiring. And they're just words on a bit of paper unless you can relate them to the organisation and to the people that are part of the organisation so that it, it forms part of the culture. If we step away from the business arena and we look at countries and we look at constitutions, now the constitution of a country should be its core values. How many of you out there have read the constitution of this country? And if you have, how many of you find that that is the core value and that that inspires you to the culture that we now live with in this in this in this organisation, in this country, if we look at that as, as a, a, a general example, you know, how can we not have that situation where we've got a, essentially a bureaucratic bit of paper that sets out these great ideals but is impractical in its interpretation and in its communication? I think it might be a good opportunity to just say, if any of you can articulate them even better and maybe share with us some experiences about where places you worked that you thought it was extremely well done and people understood it and behaved it and how, for example, I know many organisations tie that up as part of the performance review process. The, the feedback session is how you go in, not just in, you know, as I said earlier, is in relation to living and practising the values. And also the other thing is, is when you do do the values of the company, you don't do it in isolation. To be successful, you engage the organisation and people across the organisation in inputting in that process so that ownership and the words you use are not, as Kim said, something on the wall, a nice word. It's actually the words that the people in the organisation use and certainly did that in one of the huge organisations I work for. And it became successful because it was their idea. And it was in their, in, their and their, in their language and it's their ownership. It's what they wanted. So in that sense, that would make it better. That would also make it much easier to remain a dynamic document and be able to be scaled depending on, on whether you were scaling growth or scaling size and then be reflected in the scaling of that culture. So I guess what we're saying is never ever compromise on your culture. Values, behaviours have to stay uh, constant. The size of the organisation, the delivery outlets, if you like, might change, but not your core. Your core has to stay true to itself. And it is a topic that you do have to address. You know, if you're scaling the organisation in terms of growth, then you do need to, in turn, look at scaling the culture of the organisation as well. I think we might leave it for the time being so I can catch my voice again. Well, thank you for joining us today. I'm Kim Bailey. She's Fuliana Osborne and this is Inside Exec. <laughs>